Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined. I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade, and my guest once again is Lee Stein. Lee, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Lee. I'm a writer who's interested in what the internet is doing to us, and I've written five books, including the novel Self-Care, which is a satire of the wellness industry and girl boss feminism. And you're also a poet, and the last time you were on the show was, I guess... A year to 18 months ago with the poetry collection. That's right. And we talked about, well, I, I think this might be my third appearance because I also yes. remember we did an episode talking about um, moderation of internet communities. Yes. Yes. That was your first appearance talking about self-care. And then we talked about your poetry collection and now this is number three. So you're officially a friend of the show. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. The topic today is going to be TikTok. In part, what we're going to talk about is the a sub- sub genre sub culture on TikTok called book talk uh -huh. that you have become an expert in yep um i guess the way into this is i have never downloaded or used TikTok cuz i'm kind of afraid of it and the path of me being afraid of it started with more thinking when it first came on and i saw people talk about this i thought well this is this is just for kids it's like teenagers doing dances and, and like pulling pranks and stuff. So I don't, I don't need to, um, you know, this, this is like Snapchat or something. This right, is right, right. Away. Not for me. Yeah, this is for the youth. Yeah. And then it became, oh, this is like super popular. And it's like this, the algorithm is so good that it's like addictive. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, I'm already addicted to one social media site, which is Twitter. <laughs> I don't, right. I don't need a second one. I'm obviously susceptible. So I'm sort of like, okay, now I actually, actually am a little bit scared of this and like, I'm just not gonna, I'm just gonna let this one pass by. And, and now the third reason to be scared is like, is, is this a nefarious Chinese plot? Is it mm -hmm. like uh, stealing our, our data and monitoring us? All sorts of other things. And there's been a lot of just in the past couple of weeks, like laws passed or efforts to ban TikTok by states and at state universities and stuff. So we'll talk about some of that. Okay. So should I be scared uh, still? Uh, is my fear warranted or is this, uh, I so, mean, is this a moral panic or what? We will address your fears in this therapy session. <laughs> um, I was just as afraid as you were. I really avoided getting on TikTok, like especially because everyone kept talking about how it was a dance platform and dancing is not one of my skills. And um, the reason I got on TikTok is one, because I'm just interested in internet communities. So like the fact that there was this, this, interesting weird internet community that i wasn't on made me curious to get on but the other reason is because i'm writing a book right now that's set on TikTok, and i'm writing a gothic novel and i was taking classes during the pandemic when i was stuck inside my house on the gothic novel and the professor of this class said the thing you have to know about a gothic novel is there's a reason that the woman can't leave the house and in the 19th century this was very easy to write because women had less opportunities you know there's like a reason jane eyre has yeah. to move in with the guy or whatever but today mr. it's very rochester. thank you mr rochester but today it's very hard to write a contemporary gothic novel because a woman can leave whenever she wants <laughs> and so then it occurred to me oh they can't leave the house because they're in a TikTok hype house so that's the novel I started writing. So TikTok Hype Houses, if you're listening to this, you don't already know what that is. They're like these mansions in Los Angeles that became popular in this brief moment during the pandemic where these young, fabulously talented influencers slash creators would all live in the same glamorous mansion together and create video content. So like Charlie D'Amelio, who's a huge um, talent who blew up on TikTok as a dancer, she was in one of these Hype Houses so that was like the idea. But then my friends were like, oh, how's that TikTok novel coming? And I still like wasn't even using the platform. It was still just like an idea. And I was really dragging my feet about getting on. I like wasn't getting on the platform or I would log in and I was not addicted. I was not having fun. Like the content that TikTok was showing to me, I was like, what is this? It was like a like a middle-aged woman taking out her false teeth. It just was. <laughs> okay. Also like a woman who dresses up as Snow White and feeds, bottle feeds exotic animals just bizarre stuff. And so finally this summer, I was like, I have to hire a young person to basically teach me the platform. So that's what I did. I hired a college graduate to like be my guide to the Gen Z universe and walk me through TikTok. And now I'm fluent in TikTok because I, I understand it now. But like you, I was reluctant to get on it first. Okay. That's really interesting. So the pursuit of art is what led you. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, as a fine artist. Um, <laughs> okay, so that so that is uh, maybe your approach is more as like a cultural anthropologist at first. Yes. But you've have you embraced the platform? Okay. Well, what what do you what do you like about TikTok? So I know that you're afraid of being addicted, and I was afraid as well because Twitter is also my addiction. I have not become addicted to TikTok except for the moments when I've had something go viral. And when I'm getting attention on the app, I will literally wake up in the middle of the night, like excited to see how many likes I got. Like it'll be 2 a.m. And I'm like, I wonder how many more there are. So mm -hmm. that's the addictive part for me. Um, but I can stop scrolling at some point. Like I don't feel like I'm losing hours to scrolling because the, the thing to understand about TikTok for those who aren't on it is that Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, these are social media platforms. So I follow Aria, he's my friend. And so the platform shows me Aria's content. I get to see Aria's cat. The platform is I, a Ideally, although the, the, the way these <laughs> algorithms work and they're changing them, it, it, it's sometimes unclear why you're seeing certain things and why well, you're Well, they're changing them to follow TikTok. So it right. used to be that you would follow the people you know, or you would follow the famous people that you're interested in. If you're interested in the Kardashians, you follow the Kardashians and you see their content. Mm -hmm. TikTok changed the game because TikTok is not social media. TikTok is recommendation media. So it learns your preferences based on how much time you spend watching certain content. So it's feeding you all this various content to see what captures Lee's attention? Like my husband sees completely different content than I do. And then the algorithm feeds you similar content. So if you want to watch dancing videos, it'll show you more dancing videos, but that's not what I watch. So that's not what um, it feeds me. So even if I'm following Aria on TikTok, he's not on TikTok, but if I were, <laughs> um, if you're posting cat videos, but it doesn't think that I like cat videos, I would never see your content. Okay. And now the other platforms like Facebook, which owns Instagram and like Twitter are trying to emulate this. They're chasing TikTok's tail. And so they're using algorithms to show you content that they think you will engage with right. by people you don't follow. Right. Okay. So it, it seems like, and please, you know, anything I'm getting wrong, as I said, I've never actually used the app. Please just jump in and correct me. It seems like the algorithm is sort of the secret sauce yes. of TikTok in a way that, you know, the other social media platforms sort of were trying to do something like this, then somehow the Chinese like computer programming geniuses like figured this out. And so the way people talk about it is, you know, you, you indicate some preferences, like you like a certain kind of video and then suddenly you're being served stuff that's like, oh, wow, this is, this seems like magically just for me. And that's, that's like the rabbit hole addictive aspect for at least some people is like you know they're getting mainlined exactly what they want whereas on instagram facebook and twitter it's a mix and like they at various times they've tried to you know twitter has long had both a chronological and a algorithmic um feed and mm -hmm. you know so you you would see viral posts even if no one you were following uh retweeted it and i think instagram is trying this too and, all, and i mean they also want to do it to serve ads and so they're trying to get it seems like mainly what they want to do is show you ads that they think for products you want to products and services you want to purchase um, yeah so two points i would make quickly one is that in or TikTok is not really competing with instagram TikTok is competing with netflix or hbo it's almost like when i open the TikTok app it's like a personalized hbo just for me it's like three minute or less video pieces of video content for exactly who I am and what my preferences are. And then the other thing to understand about advertising is TikTok is competing for your attention. And if I see a video and within five seconds, I'm like not interested in that, I swipe. So for advertising to work on a platform like that, it has to be so engaging. It has to be like an original film. Like the ads <laughs> that do well on TikTok, I watched one that was like three minutes long of this woman talking about rating all the men she had dated in the Bay Area by comparing them to um, tech companies. It was like a hilarious comedy routine. And then at the end of three minutes, she's like, here's a code to use off 10, 20% off a vibrator. You're like, what <laughs> the fuck did I just watch? It like blew my mind because you thought you're watching this like comedy routine about her dating life. And it was an ad. So that's the bar now for like video advertising on the internet. TikTok is setting that bar really high. Okay, that's very, I, I don't think I heard anyone say that really this is more a competitor to Netflix than to Instagram. That's interesting. 
Um, okay. And, and then I've seen people saying like, and when I see people saying, I, I, the only social network I'm really using actively at this point is Twitter and that we may talk a little bit about how that seems to be dying or the only things that go viral on there are things that have already gone viral on TikTok. Um, but I've seen people say things like, you know, the algorithm thinks that I like want to cheat on my husband is showing me a lot of videos about like <laughs> women like saying like, this is how you cheat on your husband or something like that. Like the, in a creepy way, the algorithm has, has divined something about the person that may or may not, you know, be peering into their soul or maybe is just totally wrong. Yeah, I've delved I've delved a little into like tarot and psychic TikTok because it's for my novel research. And they're, they follow this very similar formula, which is that at the beginning of the video, so on TikTok, you have something called a for you page. So that means I click that if I want to see what the algorithm will show me. There's also a section where I can look at the people I follow, but the for you page is just showing me seemingly random content based on my preferences. So in terms of tarot and psychic TikTok, I'll be on my for you page and I'll see this text that'll say, um, if you're seeing this, this message is for you. So you're like, oh, what's the message? So then you continue watching and it says something like it always says something that everyone would want to hear. So it says something like your crush is thinking about you. <laughs> okay. Or it's like there's someone in heaven who misses you. Oh, and God. I find this part of TikTok like so poignant because the users of TikTok are mostly Gen Z. They're mostly under half of TikTok's audience is younger than 25 years old. And so when I click on the comments of some of these videos, they're like, grandma, I miss you. Like they're, they're so young. They haven't lost their parents. They've only lost grandparents. I find this very poignant. Um, okay. This I would, okay. That was the poignant was not the word that was coming to mind when you described this. I was saying <laughs> creepy or disturbing, but um, okay. But no, but it's all these young people that are like, are finding or seeing destiny in these videos like they see these videos and they're like oh my god like the algorithm knew that i wanted to see this message from someone and now the algorithm has delivered it to me it is creepy but i find it fascinating okay i mean that's interesting and you know like when we were kids like we used ouija boards or something yes to yes yes communicate with the other realms and you know even before TikTok was popular, astrology and tarot and other things were gaining popularity in the culture. But yeah, but well, I I'm I would be creeped out by the idea that you know thinking that the algorithm was bringing me a message from a dead relative or something <laughs> like that. I I don't since I since I you know I know that's not true. So that that seems like the platform manipulating me in a creepy way. But um okay, so one and it's you know it's it's very hacky to like recall your own tweets but i remember i did a tweet a year or so ago that was like something that seems bad about tiktok is it's encouraging young people to make little skits and like <laughs> a lot of tiktok why seems is that like, bad to encourage young people to well, make skits I, don't, I mean did you make skits as a young person were you a theater kid ever no i, I wasn't a theater kid um you know we you would have like spanish like middle school spanish assignments where you would end up <laughs> yeah, like yeah, making yeah. a video or something but like it's you know, all these things were in the culture already, like, like TikTok is sort of a hypercharged version of YouTube or and it has elements of, um, of what was that Vine, that mm -hmm. six second uh, video thing that Twitter bought and then shut down. But, you know, encouraging people to young people, especially do think like, you know, you, you can be a star if you make little skits or pranks or you know, you look really hot and you're doing a sexy dance or whatever. I, I like, I, maybe I'm just showing my years, but like this doesn't seem like a good thing necessarily. And you know, TikTok did not invent this sort of thing. Like people have been trying to become influencers since social media has been around, but well, how, how does that strike I mean, you? it's just, it, it's a video platform that allows you to do things that you're doing elsewhere. Like in the same way, YouTube, I mean, it's like people are making music and people are dancing and people are taking classes at Second City um, and TikTok is just giving them a platform to share that with with an audience. Um, like the, the power of the algorithm of TikTok is just during the pandemic when everyone went inside, it was like, well, how are we going to spend the time when we're inside? And some people like me, I wrote a book of poems, but some people went on TikTok and started making these skits and growing huge followings that they then leveraged into brand deals and all that. I mean, I think what's happening in the economy right now is really going to affect the level of like the ad spend 
on influencers that boomed a couple years ago. So I do think that's going to go down. Like that isn't sustainable. And I'm also mm-hmm. seeing a lot of conversation on TikTok about like creators and influencers being like, yeah, I decided to just like go get a job. <laughs> like it's just like, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard if your income's really variable. Like maybe you had a few really like banging months during the pandemic, but to sustain that 12 months a year um, is hard. Yeah. And I mean, and I, I don't want to be falling into like the moral panic mode of whatever. There's some new technology or anything. People are like, oh, this is corrupting the youth like that. <laughs> that's a, right. an old story. But like, you know, I'm thinking back to the earlier days of YouTube and people like Logan and Jake Paul. And the, is, this, is it Mr. Beast? Is that the guy? I mean, mm-hmm. there was this, you know, there were like the equivalent of hype houses or whatever. And, you know, a lot of these things like well, the, the type of person who, you know, a charismatic young person who attracts followers to do a bunch of like pranks and silly videos, like often yeah, this type of person like is Jackass. not like- Jackass. I mean, it was on Jackass before. Like, yeah. That's... You know, like in one of the Mr. Beasts, I think, I, I'm maybe I'm mixing it up. There was something where like they did a crazy stunt and like one of the guy's little cronies was in the video and it was like super dangerous involving like a- like you know, the guy basically got like paralyzed through doing some crazy stunt and you know wow. you know so this is like in america's funniest home video someone could have like injured themselves trying to do that right back in the 90s or something but it just it seems like a lot of online life encourages antisocial behavior <laughs> back in the real world and then like making like hypercharging it in the way that the um like this magical algorithm does and making it all video so it's much more engaging and vivid and stuff like i don't know is is this bad i guess like i'm a TikTok optimist because i see it as really like a platform for creativity and the other thing i really see on the platform is like young people who love learning like with my own content which i'm still struggling to like get good at but like sometimes i'll make a video like i'll have an idea for a video and i'll be like oh this is so smart and deep this is really going to take off and it's way too complicated no one cares and then when i can reduce something to like one point i get these comments that are like this changed my life forever like they're just so there's just like a pureness and an innocence on the platform too and i think it's it's young adults who genuinely do want to learn and TikTok is the gen z internet so young people search on TikTok the way we search on google they don't go to google they type it right into TikTok and then watch the video that comes up related to their search term okay well that provides a transition into this concern that maybe is part moral panic part xenophobia but maybe has some basis about the fact that this company originated in china Mm -hmm. and um there's both privacy concerns and also sort of like i i should have rewatched this video before this conversation but i but um 60 minutes did a story on tiktok within the past six months and they said a clip that i saw on twitter um said something like you know, because of Chinese state law, if you're under like either 16 or 18, the version of TikTok that is in China, like you get, you only get videos about like science topics and like mm. nature and, and like videos about pandas. And then <laughs> the version that they exported to the West, you know, is, has a lot more, is not just science and educational and quote unquote pro-social stuff. It's all sorts of nonsense, and Andrew Tate, who we'll, we'll, we should talk a little bit about later, and you know, um, doing stunts and pranks and challenges, and so there was a sense that I got that was sort of like, you know, the evil Chinese have like poisoned the youth of America with this magical device or magical program that is so entrancing that while the Chinese youth are studying you know, rocketry and stuff, we are doing silly dances. Yeah. So I can give like a quick, quick summary of how this started. So this, what we call TikTok today started as something called Musical.ly in 2014, and it was a lip syncing karaoke app. And then Musical.ly was bought in 2017 by ByteDance Limited. That's Byte with a Y. And that is owned by a Beijing, that is a Beijing based company. And so the fear is that 
This is a Chinese owned company. The, the Chinese version of TikTok has a different name that you described. It's called Du Yin. So it's a completely different, it's a exact same interface as TikTok. But like you said, the, the Chinese Gen Z, uh, they're seeing different content than we're seeing. So the, the fear is that at any time, ByteDance, the parent company, could just be showing American user data to the Chinese government. Um, what could the Chinese government do with that data? You know, how much are we being surveilled by TikTok? There was news last year that TikTok was tracking our keystrokes. And at first I didn't understand this. I thought I was like, are they saying that they're tracking like everything I do on my phone, but they're just tracking the keystrokes if I open a link in the TikTok app, which I rarely do because I'm just watching videos. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of um, a lot of fear. I would say like Cold War era fear about our enemy, China, mm -hmm. and how it could uh, win over hearts and minds of Americans. Senator Ted Cruz called TikTok a Trojan horse the Chinese Communist Party can use to influence what Americans see <laughs> here and ultimately think. And so now there have been bans in 20 states on public employees from using TikTok on their phones. Now, I... That seems reasonable to me. Like, like I live in Connecticut. Would I want like Senator Chris Murphy to like have an AOL email address? Like that doesn't seem safe. Like I would expect that government uh, officials, government employees would have certain safety precautions like on their phones that I don't have on my phone. So that makes sense to me. But then this is reaching now to like college campuses like Auburn University in Alabama. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So this is a piece that just ran in the times this past week and i'll include a link in the show notes auburn auburn if i'm pronouncing that right auburn auburn banned tiktok and students can't stop talking about it and so certain state universities have cut off access to tiktok on their wi-fi networks which i guess if you're a college student you use all the time and then it's about how do the students get around this well mostly they just turn off wi-fi and go on you know use their data plan to access TikTok. Yeah, and... this seems to me like the evergreen story of my whole life, which is that like the adults try to enforce something and the young people actually know more about the technology than the adults do. Right. And they just find a workaround. Like, like I remember when I was th like 12 or 13, we got the AOL CD-ROM in the mail and like <laughs> I set up the master account for my household because of course my parents wouldn't know how to do it. Like I did it, you know, like I had the master account and the master permissions. So there is something just like frustrating to me about, you know, old people like trying to legislate the thing that all the young people like and they don't quite understand it, which is also confusing to me because it's like the Internet has been around for most of my life. I mean, popular. It's been around longer, but like like we've been like Gen Xers and boomers like they've had the Internet for decades and like every with every platform, it's like we're starting over from scratch. Right. And, and that, so that's why I, you know, I'm leery of falling into some moral panic of just being like, well, I'm old and I don't understand what the kids are up to these days. And so I want them, <laughs> I don't want them to be having any fun. So that's a, <laughs> I, I don't want to be like that. But it, it's like, there's various creepy aspects of this. And there's the, chi the China angle. And, you know, okay, it seems possible, like, you know, the, the Chinese Communist Party, the rulers of China seem like they would very happily, you know, access the uh, phones of U.S. senators and representatives or civil servants or whatever. And I'm sure America would do the same to Chinese civil servants and so mm. forth. Mm -hmm. so that's one thing. And then there was a story about some American journalists who were reporting on, reporting about TikTok. And it turned out that, like, people at TikTok Central were, like, monitoring their location and stuff like that. And yeah. So what? So so in August 2020, Donald Trump signed this executive order that was like, ByteDance, you have to sell TikTok to an American company or else like you're donezo. Then there was all this litigation by TikTok to try to block that. Then Biden's in office. Biden signs an executive order reversing Trump's, but says like as the American government, like we're going to investigate this some more. TikTok, like in their formal, um, what's the word I should use? Like in their formal presentations to our government, TikTok is always saying like, you know, we don't we don't see the data, like there's nothing to worry about. Then in June of 2022, there's this expose in BuzzFeed by Emily Baker White that says, 
leaked audio from ByteDance employees told us that they can access the data of American users. So basically, they lied. They lied to the U.S. government. Um, one Beijing engineer said that that or one apparently allegedly there's one engineer in Beijing who has access to quote unquote everything. Um, so that is something to worry about. TikTok is like spending like millions of bajillions of dollars on lobbying efforts and trying to set up this kind of like third party like data storage center, I think in Texas called Oracle that would like uh, sequester the American data to kind of please the American government by saying like this data is safe. It's not going to China. Now the question is like, can we trust anything they say? Right. So, um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that is concerning in some respects, but I mean, you know, a, a rogue employee at Google conceivably could do the same thing that we think maybe Google has better internal infrastructure because they're an American company. And if, you know, if it turned out that rogue employees at Google were like monitoring people's locations and stuff who were criticizing Google, if this got leaked, then those people would like go to jail. Um, whereas we can't send Chinese nationals in China to jail. That's true. So, th so there's that. Um, but, but in some ways, the thing that's creepier to me is this idea that like, it, it's not that what, T if Ted Cruz is saying that China is sending, like is going to turn America's youth into big fans of the Chinese Communist Party, like that's okay, that's insane. That's not going to happen. But if... that's the part that's actually really funny and interesting for me to think about because there's a lot of um there's just a lot of quotes out there about these vague threats about what the Chinese Communist like party could do to us. Like if if they how do they weaponize the algorithm? Like what could they do to us? And I keep imagining like what content are they going to put out there because the whole thing with TikTok is this idea of authenticity and and Gen Z prizes authenticity in a way that I think millennials prize like professionalism like on Instagram millennials are always like looking posed and staged and like wearing their rent their one-way blazer to be girl boss you know but on TikTok it's like you have acne and like you're you know you haven't taken a shower today and you're talking about like the identity of Elena Ferrante it's just it's totally weird um okay. so if they prize authenticity like what kind of content is going to get by their radar that's going to turn them into little, you know, pro-China communists yeah. oh, so, okay. that's authentic? So, I think we can dismiss this idea of, you know, so, so some sort of, what is that that movie with Angela Lansbury, um, Manchurian Candidate or some sort of like brainwashing type thing of there'll be secret agents or... Yeah, that's the part that's hardest for me to imagine. That seems insane. Okay, let's put that to the side. But now what about this idea that in China, uh, teenagers are only allowed to view videos about science and pandas and become a rocket scientist. And in America, it's total free-for-all garbage, you know, sucked in staring at your phone for an hour and you're giggling, but you've neglected your homework. Or even worse, like not even entertaining yourself to death, but like seeing so much self-harm, eating disorder content. Yeah, all, I mean, all the negative things that we learned. Killing young people, yeah like can happen online and now it's it's hypercharged through the right. algorithm so what i mean so that i don't think maybe this wasn't a conscious <laughs> i mean it almost certainly was not a conscious plot that the Ch that chinese leaders are like you know make make the um it's like uh david foster wallace's infinite jest make the like thing that's so entertaining that like mm -hmm. you starve to death watching it right and, right and right we, and we will release this into <laughs> america and corrupt the youth but like it seems like some less insane version of that has maybe accidentally happened. And because China's a dictatorship and doesn't have freedom of speech, they can say, you know, they can remove any video in general or, or jail anyone who's saying something against the regime, but also they can say, um, you know, if you're 14 years old, you can only watch nature and, and science and educational videos. Right. Because they right. know like how effective this really is. Well, that's the darker and more realistic scenario, I think, that it that it would just lead to the decline in the mental health of American young adults. But it's tricky. This is where it gets really tricky and messy, because then I wonder, well, we already know from leaked Facebook documents about how Instagram is contributing to the poor mental health of teenage girls. We already know about mm -hmm. that. Is the government legislating TikTok? And I just wonder if the difficulty we've had in the United States legislating or managing the impact of these American 
big tech companies on us. That's too complicated. So it's just easy to go after the obvious enemy, which is China. Like, is it simpler? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly easier to boogeyman people from another country, especially if it's, you know, a country that's communist and so on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there have been a lot of negative things that online life has produced. And, you know, I think in a previous conversation uh, that we had on the podcast, you said something like, you know, you at various times in your life, you felt like online was your home or this is like where you could become yourself or something. So that that's good. And that's been the case for plenty of people. But there's been a lot, obviously, a lot of shitty stuff that the Internet and social media have created, like the QAnon conspiracy and Donald Trump's presidency and mm -hmm. anti-vax conspiracism and rising anti-Semitism and all sorts of other things that either wouldn't have, I mean, I don't think QAnon would have possibly existed without the internet. Anti-Semitism, right. of course, would have, but like hypercharging it and, you know, connecting disparate groups of people who are vaguely inclined in one way and then leading them down various rabbit holes. So like, you know, we're like 25 years into yeah, big, a big experiment, a grand experiment. Yeah. yeah and, and I don't know, in my more negative moods, I'm thinking maybe this whole thing was a mistake or something like, are we, are we happier? Are we better off? Right. Et cetera. We don't need to like go into that, but how does, yeah. So what are you thinking about like, okay, what, what if like there were a national law and throw out like, if this could be legal or something, what if we said, okay, you, if you're a new rule, like if you're under the age of 16, you can't use TikTok. Like, do, would you think that would be good, bad, or neutral, or? I think about that some, I mean, I, I think Jonathan Haidt proposes something similar, that, that we need to raise the age for when um, young people can get on a play, put TikTok aside, like you could even say Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, should we, should young people have to wait longer to even get on these platforms? Because are they fundamentally altering their brains as they're developing? Um, yeah, I think that's not crazy. And, it's you know, not crazy. It would be very hard to enforce because right. I know that I would have been one of those smart teenagers that would get around it. Right. And and you, you and go, I, you go to an alcohol website and it says, are you over 21? <laughs> Click here. Like, hello, like that's a barrier to entry. Come on. Right. You would have, it would have to be, a, you would have to have some sort of creepier, more overarching, like control mechanism to verify whether or not you are of age that maybe yeah. would be scary to think about. Or, you know, like, you, I, I don't even know, but like, you, well, you and I came up in an early version of the internet that wasn't in our pockets and in our hands all the time. It was yeah. like the family computer and, and the all encompassing nature of smartphones um, seems like this is really, this is not just like you're looking at it more. It's, it's like a different thing. So I've been talking to members of Gen Z as research for my novel. And I talked to one young man who's in his early to mid twenties. And he told me that he thinks millennials are even more addicted to their phones than Gen Z. So I wonder if instead of mandating new rules on age limits for using some of these platforms, if there's actually going to be a movement that comes from young adults themselves and a, an awareness and a consciousness that we, we can't just be on these platforms all the time, that we have to set our own limits and boundaries. And there's a whole corner of TikTok that's kind of like productivity TikTok, but it's like young people filming themselves studying or filming themselves reading books in hyperspeed. <laughs> um, so this like performative um, productivity and focus and concentration. So I think they're aware of it and possibly more than some millennials are even aware of it. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, I do, I, I don't think there could be some sort of like legislative change that gets us off our phones. It would have to be a social change and... Mm -hmm some sort of cultural change, like, <laughs> I mean, like the temperance movement or something, right? You know, which, which resulted in a constitutional amendment, but then it turned out that that was bad. But like, there's still, I don't know, there's, there's this great history called Last Call by Daniel Okrant of Prohibition. I think actually hmm. it's been turned into a Ken Burns documentary that is, or, or at least on the same subject. Anyway, it talks about the origins of the temperance movement. And they had a lot of legitimate grievances. And a lot of it was mm. the man would spend all of his earnings on, on liquor and he would come home and beat his wife and beat his yeah. kids. And so uh, that's why a lot of the early temperance movement leaders were women, because it was like this demon substance is like ruining our lives. 
so so they had legitimate yeah it was almost like a like a early uh movement against domestic violence for sure yeah that was a huge aspect of it and like domestic violence wasn't really understood as like its own freestanding problem it was like you know the the, the husband gets drunk and then he's that he's bad yeah but yes yeah, so i i do wonder if maybe there's like it would take some sort of cultural shift like that of understanding that like you know there would need to be like some sort of movement like aa for online addiction or something but like we're all you know it's not like everyone is drinking like has a flask in their pocket all the time and is sipping from it every <laughs> few minutes but like that's what we're doing with our phones yeah um, so it would it would require some sort of huge change and, and like we didn't as a society agree at any point that like this is what we want to do like it all just sort of happened <laughs> and we went along with it and participated in it but we never like stepped back and said well is it good that you had this thing, like device in your pocket at all times that connects you to everything and sends you little <laughs> messages and updates and little bings and bongs like maybe this is bad while we're on the note of addiction, like the way I see TikTok, like, again, I, I think it's more like I'm going to binge watch like six episodes of The Sopranos tonight. Like, it's more <laughs> like that because you're just okay. watching one thing after another. My Twitter addiction is different because my Twitter addiction is like my FOMO, you know, like I don't want to miss out on the drama. So I'm like, who's like, like what went down? Like, who was the main character of Twitter today? Like, I want to know. Like, I, I feel like I want to know what everyone's talking about. Mm -hmm. But as people leave Twitter, I mean, this is another conversation about what's happening on Twitter. But it's like, as people leave Twitter and like, it's just like, you know, you, me and Kat Rosenfield, like standing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. um, there's just less. I'm not I'm not currently as addicted to Twitter because there's just less going on. Oh, it's yeah. Not, it's, 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 it's not dying. so much of a water cooler. It's dying. Yeah, for sure. And maybe, you know, the, the optimistic scenario would be we discover uh, talking to our loved ones and, uh, and going on nature walks and stuff. But, you know, probably that's or on TikTok. Yeah, probably it's more like we're going to go on TikTok. OK, well, let's talk about this guy, Andrew Tate, who I had never heard of before three or four months ago. And then I just started seeing things about him. And then I was talking to someone who a couple of months ago who was saying that her she has teenage nephews and they love TikTok and they're looking at it all the time and they're very into Andrew Tate. And she was like, this is, <laughs> this is horrible. Like this guy is a misogynist and brags about like beating women and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then somehow he blew up like a month or so ago and he like challenged Greta Thunberg, the climate activist. And then she showed him up and then like 40 hours later he was arrested by Romanian authorities for human trafficking. So so this guy seems like a total, like, like a criminal, horrible, horrible human being. And and he somehow like gamed the, the algorithm mm -hmm. on TikTok to like become super famous and have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of young men like promoting his content and they're getting cryptocurrency and reward or something. So like this, uh, so obviously this is all bad. And this this guy is like <laughs> maybe the most famous like product of Charlie D'Amelio and Andrew Tate are like the two most famous products of TikTok at this point. Well, what do you what do you think of this whole insane story? Oh my story? god! I mean, it surprised you to know that I like was not following Andrew Tate. Like that's not the content that I look at. Look at. I don't know much about this story to weigh in, but um, I mean, this just seems like a problem in general that young men are looking for something. Mm -hmm. Young men are looking for someone to follow, some script to follow, um, some message to follow. And the people that are filling that void are often unsavory characters, I think. Right. I mean, it's the and, Jordan Peter. Look at the Jordan Peterson effect, like the number of young men that would show up to his events. This was before the pandemic. But like he was he oh, was filling yeah. a void for, for, sure. for an audience. There's an audience for. For meaning, young men are looking for meaning and purpose, and who's filling in to tell them what that is? Right, but I mean, Jordan Peterson, compared to Andrew Tate, looks like Jesus. Yeah, like like the most upstanding. I mean, this guy Andrew Tate seems like you know, one of the worst people yeah. on planet Earth, and like Jordan Peterson has his own raft of of problems, but he wasn't like running a human trafficking ring. Right, <laughs> right, know? right, and and so. There was an article in The Guardian, I think, that came out last year and got recirculated once Tate got arrested. And I mean, it seems like 
Tate was manipulating the platform in various ways. And he, he, yeah, he was like, he was never actually on it, or maybe he got kicked off, but like videos that he had put on other sites were being uploaded to TikTok by his fans. And he had some like Entertain University or Hustler University or something. Mm. And like the kids who were, I assume, mostly like teenage boys would get rewards if their Andrew Tate content went viral. So it's like, you know, a, a like street street team for like a uh, brand or something. But oh, that's it's all, interesting. It's all this like misogynistic stuff and stuff about like if, you know, if my girlfriend cheated on me, I would, you know, I would choke her out and just like this horrible stuff. So. Well, one thing I can say about how the TikTok algorithm works is one way to game the system is if you create videos that emulate popular videos. So you find the video that went viral and then you can literally imitate it like down to the word. So you you take the same trending audio that's on the video, you mm -hmm. recreate it with your own face, the same words overlay. You literally try to recreate that video from your own phone. And the algorithm recognizes it like the other video that went viral and it shows it to that same audience. And that's how you can quickly gain a following is just by ripping off and imitating other other popular content right and it sounds it, like he figured that out yeah and and possibly i mean like if he was paying people to like um promote his content probably that was violating rules so then we get into the whole content moderation question which we talked about mm -hmm. at a previous time and this is like still a roiling like debate and elon musk seems to have spent 44 billion dollars on Twitter primarily because he didn't agree with his content moderation policies. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a trademarked Aria take. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, it seems like the yeah. fact that they kicked off the Babylon Bee for making like a transphobic joke was like the key <laughs> event in causing Musk to spend. That was the bee in his bonnet. Exactly. And like ruin his, you know, he's lost like hundreds of billions of dollars in Tesla funds anyway. Like what is, you know, you need some form of moderation on any online platform or it gets like overrun by like child pornography and Nazi stuff. Um, so you need some level of it. So it must be happening to some extent. So what's interesting is that I find the content moderation on TikTok to be extremely strict. So I said a few minutes ago that Gen Z uses it the way we use Google. They use it like a search engine. So all videos have captions like closed captioning and all that text in the closed captioning becomes like metadata. It's like they're trying to build their own Google. But their content moderation system is so strict that um, certain words are automatically banned. If you use certain words, your video cannot go up like suicide. So people find ways around this using what's known as algo speak, algorithm speak. Uh -huh. So instead of she killed herself, they would say she unalived herself. <laughs> and I learned okay. this myself the hard way. One of the very, so I wrote this novel, Self-Care About the Wellness Industry. One of the very first videos I made was about something related to the wellness industry. And in the video, I said something about disordered eating. Obviously I was not recommending disordered eating. I was like trying to comment on disordered eating. And no one liked this video and I felt so embarrassed. And I was like, oh my God, is it that bad of a video? And then I realized it was never posted because it was immediately flagged because of the phrase disordered eating. That's interesting. So you have to wonder how Andrew Tate got around all this stuff. And yes. then if this, if this company was founded in China, which I, like, I assume you, in China, you can't post a video about like the anniversary of Tiananmen Square on on anywhere and so it has to be um like they have to have pretty good content moderation to filter out the stuff well like you the... said it's just like panda panda videos i i don't think it's anything i don't think Duyin is anything like our TikTok. right so, so the technology must exist and yeah if you're saying you know it'll use like instead of the word gun it'll have like the gun emoji or something or yeah another algo speak word is like for sex it's s-e-g-g-s Segs. <laughs> Segs. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. Let's let's talk about book talk, which is what you've the been happy sort of corner, an expert in. the happy corner of TikTok. Yes. <laughs> and you know, and, and it, because these platforms are also sprawling, it's impossible. It'd be like saying like, are message boards good or bad? Like there are good ones and there are bad ones. And <laughs> right, so right, right. there's a part of TikTok focused on books, and you've become. Well, how would you describe your relationship to it? And what what do you like about this community? 
Um, so I was like around the time that I was kind of thinking about TikTok, but afraid to get on it myself. I was also hearing about Book Talk, which is the corner of TikTok where readers create original video content around their love for books. And it was it's creating explosive sales for the book publishing industry. It's the most powerful word of mouth engine the book publishing industry has ever seen. More powerful than YouTube, more powerful than Instagram. Um, 825 million books were sold in 2021. That was the most since they even began tracking those book sales. Um, and last year in total, it was just last year was 2022. It was down slightly, but still the second highest since they started tracking. Mm -hmm. So there are certain authors that just have had phenomenal sales on book talk, including Colleen Hoover, who writes like dark romance novels. Right. And so like the New York Times trade paperback list, there'll be like 15 books on the list. And Colleen Hoover has like nine of them. She sold more books than the Bible last year. So these <laughs> books, the books that do well on BookTok are highly emotional, often romance. And I think these books are blowing up because I think during the pandemic, when a lot of schools shut down, you had teenagers and college age students living back at home, not being able to go out and see their friends. And they're reading books. And so they picked up books that offered them an escape or offered them an, an emotional experience um, outside the mundane day-to-day -day existence of pandemic lockdown. And so I think once these certain authors or titles picked up, they just go viral. So on TikTok, you'll find videos of girls crying. Like this is very popular to like cry to a book. I love these videos. Um <laughs> crying to a book books are also on book talk it's like the book itself is a treasured object so they're physical books and they find different ways to make physical stacks of them to organize them by color to organize them by like these are all the books about mothers and daughters or these are all the books about friendships or these are all my favorite horror novels so again and again they're holding touching stacking the books to make different kinds of videos. So one of the reasons I think it's been so powerful in selling books is that the same book can appear again and again and again in multiple videos. So I like mailed out a bunch of my books to these book talkers and like they'll put self-care in a stack of pink books or they'll put self-care in like a collection of books about work. So they're finding different ways to keep showing the same book. And I think that's why they're they're selling so many copies. Okay. That's interesting, especially the you know, physical books and something tactile and real is, you know, being popularized through yeah. a digital medium. And there does, I mean, I think this seems to be some sort of cultural cultural thing with the youth of like, I guess like old, like, um, you know, like film cameras or like uh, disposable cameras or something are growing in popularity. Yeah, digital like cameras are back. Digital cameras that don't, that aren't attached to a phone that are just like what we, you know, used to bring to parties in like 2003. Right. I mean, it, it makes sense that young people who were like raised entirely digitally encounter like old school, like type. I mean, there was sort of a craze for typewriters 10 or so years ago. Um, yeah. But that sort of like, yeah, old, you know, physical, <laughs> um, actual things that exist in the world and not just like metaverse, <laughs> metaverse. Stuff. Right. That's why I think like Mark Zuckerberg has it all wrong. Like he's right. pursuing the metaverse, but Gen Z is into the authentic and the real and the messy and the chaotic not the smooth frictionless wear a headset and like go into another world okay that's really interesting yeah because in, in the the image that went viral of zuckerberg's avatar looked like you know zuckerberg put through like left in the laundromat or something and like smoothed <laughs> out yeah so he, it was yeah the the seeming imperfections eliminated no like some sort of return to authenticity and reality would probably be good after the past decade or so of unreality and yeah. swindlers and the president being a con artist and online life taking over. And, and I guess yeah. it's just ironic if, you know, a, an app, a video app um, helps bring this about. Totally. The other thing about book talk is like the, it's mostly young women 
they read so many books like they're dot like I said before there's like this documentation of productivity like they'll be like and here are the 220 books I read last year and my top 10 wow. it's just like incredible they're reading so many more books than me so it bothers me when people say like lazy like what the the lazy stereotypes about how young people don't read like really bother me because some some young people don't read but there's this whole community of like young people reading tons of books and not in really like smart, deep ways too. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and, and you know, speaking in generalizations or stereotypes about any group is gonna, you know, be stereotypical and, and not, and, <laughs> yeah, if there's a billion people using this app, then there's all sorts of weird corners and people are doing all sorts of things. I mean, you know, the other, the counterpoint would be, I, I, I don't know, it would be like, but the, I mean, this stuff was happening on Tumblr 10 years ago of someone watching, you know, watching like, uh, back to the future and being like, I think this is problematic, you, you know, or like that sort of nonsense. We're sort of, the culture is sort of over that, but it seems like, you know, young people are always discovering, you know, <laughs> discovering previous things. And I, I, I don't even know. Um, yeah, that they've discovered the old objects of books. I mean, I think they're making reading cool. Like there's this whole thing. It's just like hot girls read, like they make reading look cool. <laughs> and I think that's good. Like, I, I don't think that's cheesy or stupid. Like, I think it's, it's good if young people think reading books is cool. I okay. I we can I endorse that as well. Reading, <laughs> reading books is definitely better than looking at Twitter um, and many other things you could do <laughs> um, to pass the time. Um, okay, so are are you you are also participating as? I mean, would you call yourself a geriatric millennial? Because that's what I call myself. Yes, um, or an elder elder millennial. Yeah, it, like. Are you doing the dances? Are you pointing at things like text boxes and things like this? <laughs> like, are, are, how far have you gone? So into I am creating content on TikTok, and I'll tell you, this summer I went viral because um, one of the books that's gotten really popular on Book Talk is "My Year of Rest and Relaxation" by Otessa Moshfeg, oh, really? which is a satire. And I read this book probably when it came out in 2018 or 2019. I thought it was hilarious. I really like her as a writer. I think she's like edgy and transgressive. I really like this book. Yeah, that's it's it's like maybe the favorite book that I've read in the past five or so years. It's, it's so great. good. Yeah. So it went viral on BookTok. And this was one of the reasons where I was like, oh, I should get my book self-care on BookTok because if these young women like her book, I think they'll like self-care. Now, the thing that I got wrong about this is that they – the young adults reading My Year of Rest and Relaxation during the pandemic were reading it for its relatability. They were like, now here's someone who never wants to leave her house and just wants to go to sleep for a year. <laughs> it me. Uh -huh. And this was so disturbing to me. And I saw all these, like, I know I just talked about how the readers on BookTok are smart. They're not all smart. I saw this video about my year of rest and relaxation as mental health representation and how <laughs> the main character had white privilege to be able to get um, psychiatric care. And I just about lost my mind. I had to make a video about it. So I made a video saying, you guys, this is a satire. Like it's supposed to be funny. It's not mental health representation. <laughs> and this video blew up, huh. I think because I said the thing that a lot of them were thinking, but were afraid to say, because I think a lot of these young people, they're like afraid of courting controversy. Like they wouldn't be on Twitter. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe they'd lurk on Twitter, but they're not going to share their opinions on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, so that blew up. Most people agreed with me. There were some outliers. The funniest comment was from someone who wanted to know how anyone would know that it was a novel and not a memoir. And this okay. went on for days of me trying to answer this question without publicly shaming this person because I didn't want them to feel bad. But I was like trying to explain like how a book could have a first person narrator, but like not be a true story. Wow. Um. So that but that to me, it was just like, it's just it is like a cultural anthropological study like i'm just fascinated by this other culture and how their brains work and so every day it's like a new a new surprise because it just is a different culture than twitter just the, the things the questions they ask and the comments they leave you're like how could you think that <laughs> they're just different people yeah no i mean like digital native would be like the marketing term for people who you know, came of age when the internet was had, already ubiquitous and smartphones yeah, were everywhere. They've had it their whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So they've, it's different. And we were with people in their, you know, thirties or I'm, I'm about to turn 40. Um, 
you know, we had the, we, we remember life before uh, America Online and like had a childhood that wasn't all that different from, you know, what happened 20 the years actors. earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is interesting. Yeah. Okay. We've been going on a while. Is there anything else, anything else you want to say about TikTok or, or about Twitter? Because Twitter, you know, does seem to be collapsing and fading away as a cultural force. And, and you're, you're a Twitter person <laughs> as, as I am. I think the only thing I would add is that I was thinking about this this week, like the way pylons can happen on Twitter and the way you can kind of quote tweet something to mock it and then other mm. people chime in and you kind of establish yourself along, you know, teams, you know, I'm against this person, I'm for that person. Right. That doesn't happen on TikTok. It's almost like that's a benefit of the algorithm because it's just showing you um, what it thinks you will like. So there aren't like wars on TikTok, at least that I have participated in. Sometimes book drama gets talked about on TikTok, but it just, it doesn't have the same kind of conflict that Twitter has, which is, I think, probably better for my mental health, actually, than worse. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. And I, I mean, like three or so years ago, before the pandemic, it seemed like the novelty of TikTok was that you could, without any particular video editing skills, you could sort of like take something, chop it up, remix it, add your own thing to it. And so I had this collaborative aspect where it was like, so, mm -hmm. so there was, and these went viral during the pandemic, like these guys sing sea shanties. And so they would. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah. You can do singing on yeah. different tones or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Edited it together. So it sounded like a chorus was singing or all this very creative stuff that was collaborative. Yeah. Whereas Twitter is very, in its bones, is very oppositional, tribal. Uh, yes. us for, you know, pick a side and then you're at war against the other side. Um, I, I joke that, you know, Twitter is like, is like the uh, state of nature, you know, from, <laughs> from Hobbes and that's because, so, so you had to pick a tribe because if you didn't, you would be destroyed. And mm -hmm. that's why it's so like, everything is us versus them. And it's not just politics, it's every possible category, the Marvel fans versus the, D the DC fans, because it's like a war of all against all. Um, that was the yeah. Twitter ethos. So if we're moving away from that, that's good <laughs> for society and the discourse and, and such. Well, what do you think? I mean, are you just I mean, I just feel like I'm on the Titanic till it goes down. I mean, what do you what's your strategy for Twitter? Yeah, well, I, I recently I locked my account a few weeks ago. Um, I've noticed a lot of people locking their accounts. Yeah, somewhat out of, uh, as a way to, there's something about the algorithm where if you are locked, so you can't go viral, um, mm -hmm. and this is real insider, <laughs> inside baseball stuff, as soon as you, I don't know if you ever locked, but as soon as you lock, you start seeing likes from people you haven't seen in a while, because the algorithm somehow must reward you, quote unquote, for not being able to go viral by showing your posts to people who would normally not see it. So a lot of like, oh, see, I would guess that people are liking your locked tweets because then they know that no one will know they liked it. Okay, that's interesting, too. And it's it's and because they can't retweet, maybe they're more likely to like, but it's it, the couple times that I've locked, it really is like, oh, yeah, I forgot about you. Like you used to be, <laughs> I used to see your Avi once in a while. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're still around. But like, I think the algorithm just wouldn't show your posts and then locking somehow it does show them. So, so that's something, but yeah, I, I think I'm the quartet of the Titanic. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've, Oh, you're playing, you're actually playing the song. Nearer <laughs> my God to thee. That's you playing it as we go down. Well, I'm at least, I don't know if I'm playing it. You know, I'm, I was never a main character or anything or a tribal <laughs> leader, but I'm certainly, you know, making little jokes as we, um, as we sink down, but yeah, I, but I'm, I mean, I've said this on a couple episodes I've done since Musk bought Twitter. I think it's, it's good that he's destroying it. I think it's been bad for America and mm. and the human psyche. And, you know, Trump alone is enough to say it would be better if this thing never existed. But a lot of other stuff, a lot of other bad things came from came from this. And if Musk does either, it, it seems like it it's not going to actually be destroyed. But it's like people just have moved on, it seems like. And I think that's mm -hmm. good. Like this was a weird website that never really made sense why it was popular. It never like worked for any real purpose, but it had a lot of negative effects in the real world, including like, Oh, but the one thing, conspiracy. the one thing we didn't talk about is how now Twitter has become just tweets about what's happening on TikTok. 
it's like the culture is now coming from TikTok. Where it used to be like journalists would be like, what happened on Twitter today? Oh, I'll write a story about that. But now it's stories about what's happening on TikTok. Yes. I mean, that's, I, I think that's right. It's probably good because most of the things that happened on Twitter were stupid. And <laughs> um, I mean, probably they're stupid in a different way on, on TikTok and involve like dancing more than, <laughs> than they ever did on Twitter. But I must disabuse you of this notion that everyone is dancing on TikTok. <laughs> it is not true. Okay. But there, but just, I mean, it's obviously a visual medium as opposed to a written one primarily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that's different. And yeah, and it, 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 there, it was the way to, <laughs> the way to attract attention on Twitter was to say something crazy and get into lots of fights. Yeah. And that, you know, isn't Healthy. ultimately yeah, like a way for to promote human flourishing um <laughs> in the long run and it, it helped us get president donald trump so that that was bad yeah so I'm, I'm i mean if it became more like what it was in like 2012 where it's just weirdos making little jokes i'd be happy with that and if it yeah disappears entirely i would be happy with that too and I, it would be like i'm released from my prison <laughs> so yeah, I, know. I know what you mean yeah yeah uh yeah so that's what i'm thinking about Twitter right now. Um, but I, I mean, it hasn't crashed. And there were people saying like, oh, it's going to crash. But that I remember happened. that too. The first week, everyone was like, it's going down. Right. So the Titanic is still bobbing along, but it's like on its side. <laughs> we're not rushing onwards towards, you know, the port of New York City anymore, just sort of like bobbing right. in, the, in the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to mention before we... Uh... Well, what is your handle on TikTok if people want to follow you? Oh, if they want to follow me, it's just my name, at Lee Stein. Okay. And, okay, you haven't convinced me that I should download it, but... <laughs> I didn't know that was... I thought we were just talking about your fears. I didn't know that I needed well, to... Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't task you with trying to convince me, like, but I, like, I'm still... Oh, do, you have, do you have a weird niche interest or hobby that you are willing to say out loud? <laughs> oh, for, yeah. I mean, I follow on Twitter a lot of like birding accounts, just photos of birds. Um, because I like, oh, birds. you're into birds. Yes. Yeah, so I'm sure if like I got into TikTok, there's probably know, bird talk. There must yeah, be yeah, sure. bird talk, of course. And you know, like, I like looking at videos of, of birds and photos of birds. So probably I'd fall down that. But, um, but maybe, but then maybe it would also be like this thing of it diagnoses something about my personality. Like, oh, I didn't know I wanted. XYC or something and it would be like a process of self-discovery um yeah so, so I don't know um but I, I don't see myself despite the fact that I've hosted a podcast for like eight years at this point I, I don't I'm not a performer and I don't see myself ever making videos myself or and pointing at you know text floating there and stuff like that no I think most users are not creators okay. I think most people are there to just consume content and not post content. There's no, you, there's no reason that you would have to post anything to, to use the app. Right. I'm only being paid $500,000 to uh, promote TikTok <laughs> on this show. <laughs> I, but, okay. So I guess the last thing would be like, what about the addictive? So, so the addictive thing you, you found that going viral was the addictive thing. And that's like sort of the same on Twitter, but on, on Twitter, when you would go viral, it would usually end up being annoying because people would, like misinterpret your joke or start arguing with you or correcting you erroneously. And like anytime I ended up going viral, I would end up muting it and just like walking mm. away because it just turned into like, like if it was a joke, you'd get a hundred people making the same follow-up joke or people misunderstanding or whatever. And, and so it was like the supposed point of Twitter to go viral like even that was ultimately like a hollow victory or not rewarding. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do worry that like, I, I want to be looking at my phone less in life. And... Right. Then you should not, you should not go on TikTok. Okay. okay. That would be my recommendation for you. <laughs> okay. Maybe this will be a consulting business. Just people ask me like, should I get on TikTok or not? And then no, that's, it. that's good. No, that makes sense. Especially because <laughs> well, like older people, I guess I'm including myself in this now. It's like, you hear about it. Should I do it? It's kind of scary. China. Yeah. Um, 
so I wrote my novel self care after I ran this, we talked about this on another podcast, but like I ran this private Facebook community. It had 40,000 members. It was just Mm -hmm. like overcome with infighting and drama and gossip. That was in 2014, 2015, 2016. At the time, like it was all I could think or talk about. And everyone around me was like, uh, like, what are you talking about? Right. And now, now like everyone knows, like it's like non, you know, every week there's a new online community drama blow up. And so I'm like, right now I'm obsessed with TikTok and like my family at Christmas, I'm like showing them TikToks. Like no one cares. Not even my Gen Z cousins. Like no one cares in what I have to say. <laughs> in a year or two, is everyone going to be finally talking about TikTok? And I'm going to get to say like, I, you know, I was the canary in the coal mine. I mean, yeah, has it, maybe it's, it seems to be super popular and maybe it's cresting, but maybe it's, we, we haven't even begun uh, the, the right, conquering. What if it's not cresting. Right, right. What if we're still on the, on the hockey stick going up? Right. And, and there were some amount of people who have clearly left Twitter and looking for something else mm-hmm. to distract themselves with. Um, right. <laughs> to distract them from the fact that we're all going to die. <laughs> Right, which is what we're all doing. That's why I'm online, right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Okay, so anything else you want to mention or promote or you still are on Twitter and people can follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. My username is rhymes with B. I'll be there till the ship goes down, I think. Yeah, and I'm I'm there, A-R-Y-H-C-W. I did my New Year's resolution was I deleted the app from my phone. Now I. I still log in using the browser, but oh my god, it's it's better because I'm not getting the alerts and just like checking it. For, I realized that I was checking it for the alerts as mm-hmm. just like a tick, and that was just mm-hmm. wasted mental energy. I and... do that too. It's so bad. It's like I turn off all notifications and then I just log in constantly to each app to see my <laughs> notifications. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so these all these technologies have these addictive qualities that are ultimately just like a way to show us ads or or capture our attention which is not great okay but this is but what has been great has been this conversation and i've i've learned a lot it's been interesting hopefully the listeners out there have enjoyed it as well so yeah thank i hope you, so too thank you lee and I, I look forward to checking out the book the gothic uh tiktok novel that i hope we'll all <laughs> get a chance to read sometime soon thank you thanks for having me on